Chapters twenty three to twenty five of A Woman's Experiences in the Great War by Louise Mack. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter twenty three. Chanson Triste. Chilly and wet today in Brussels, and yet so triste, so triste. Never before have I known a sadness like to this not in cemetery not in ruined town not among wounded coming broken from the battle as on that red day at heist Obdenberg. a brooding soul mist is in the air of brussels it creeps it creeps it gets into the bones into the brain into the heart even when one laughs one feels the ghostly visitant all the joy has gone from life the vision is clouded to look at anything you must see germans first oh horrible horrible it is and hourly it grows more horrible its very quietness takes on some clammy quality associated with graves movement and life go on all round people talk walk eat drink take the trams shop but all the while the germans are there the germans are in their hotels their houses their palaces their public buildings town hall post office palais de justice in their trams in their cafes in their restaurants at last i find a simile it is like being at home in one's beloved home with one's beloved family all around one and every room full of cockroaches chapter twenty four the cult of the brute repellent unforgettable was the spectacle of the germans strutting and posing on the steps of the beautiful palais de justice so ill did they fit the beauty of their background that all the artist in one writhed with pain like some horrible vandal attempt at decoration upon pure and flawless architecture these coarse brutish figures stood with legs apart their flat round caps upon their solemn yokel faces giving them the aspect of a body of convicts while behind them reared these noble pillars yellow and dreamlike suffering in horror but with chaste dignity the polluting nearness of the hun the more one studies hun physiognomy and physique the more predominant grow those first impressions of the cult of the brute brutish is the clear blue eye with a burning excited brain revealing itself in flashes such as one might see in the eye of a rhinoceros on the attack brutish is the head so round and close-cropped resembling no other animal save german brutish are the ears flapping out so redly the thick necks and incredibly thick legs have the tenacious look of elephants and oh their little ways their little ways in the tribunal of commerce they put up clotheslines and hung their shirts and handkerchiefs there while a bucket stood in the middle of the beautiful tessellated floor and then in exquisite taste to give the belgians a treat this interior has been photographed and forced into an extraordinary little newspaper published in brussels printed in french but secretly controlled by the germans who splatter it with their photographs in every conceivable and inconceivable style and so we see them in their kitchen installed at the foot of the monument wearing aprons over their middle-aged tummies boots and round flat caps a pretty picture that they posed themselves for it alone they did it and this is how they tipped up a big basket and let it lie in the foreground on its side 
two germans seized a table lifting it off the ground one man seated himself on a wooden bench with a tin of kerosene half a dozen others leaned up against the portable stoves with folded arms looking as if they were going to burst into moody and sankey hymns all food all bottles were hidden the dustbin was brought forward instead and then the photographer said goot and there they were it was the hunnish idea of a superb photograph of army cooks contrast it with tommy's how do you see tommy when a war photographer gets him his first thought is for an effect of cheerio he doesn't hide bottles and glasses he brings them out and lets you look at them he doesn't in the act of being photographed lift a table he lifts a teapot or a bottle if he has one handy give us tommy all the time yes all the time another photograph shows the huns in the auditoire of the cour de cassation more funny effects they brought forward all their knapsacks and piled them on a desk for decoration they themselves lie on the carpeted steps at full length but they don't lounge they can't no man can lounge who doesn't know what to do with his hands and germans never know what to do with theirs when i saw that picture showing the hun idea of how a photograph should be taken i felt a suffocation in my larynx then there was a gem called un coin de la cour de cassation this showed dried fish and sausages hanging on an easel cheeses on the floor and washing on the clothesline and opposite this on the other page was a photo of general lema in his now famous letters to king albert the most touching human documents that ever were written to a king sire after the honourable battles fought on the fourth fifth and sixth of august when the third army reinforced the fifth division with the fifteenth brigade i estimated that the forts of liege could no longer play an effective role of resistance nevertheless i kept the military government established to coordinate the defence as best i could and to exert a moral influence on the garrisons of the forts the merits of these resolutions subsequently received serious confirmation your majesty knows further that i installed myself at fort l'enceinte from noon of august the sixth sire you will learn with sorrow that this stronghold has been exploded burying under its ruins most of the garrison perhaps eighty per cent if i have not been killed in this disaster it's because my escort composed as follows captain commander collard an infantry n c o who probably did not survive constable thevenin and my two orderlies vandenbosch and lecoq dragged me to a safe place or i would have been asphyxiated by gas powder i was taken into a ditch where i fell a german captain named grousson gave me something to drink but i was taken prisoner and then taken to liege in an ambulance i'm sure i have maintained the honour of our arms i have surrendered no fortress or stronghold deign to forgive me sire the careless appearance of this letter i am very physically damaged by the explosion of l'enceinte in germany where i am bound my thoughts will be what they always have been belgium and king i would have gladly given my life for better service but death does not want me g le Mans. chapter twenty five death in life what is it i've been saying about gaiety how could one ever use such a word here in the heart of brussels one cannot recall even a memory of what it was like to be joyful i am in a city under german occupation 
and i see around me death in life and life in death i see men women and children with eyes that are looking into tombs oh those eyes those eyes ah here is the agony of belgium here in this fair white capital set like a snowflake on her hillside here is grief concentrated and dread accumulated and the days go by and the weeks come and pass and then months then months and still the agony endures the germans remain the belgians wake to fresh morrows with that weight that is more bitter and heavier than death flinging itself upon their weary shoulders the moment they return to consciousness yes waking in brussels is grim as waking on the morn of execution out of sleep with its mercy of dream and forgetfulness the bruxellois comes back each morning to a sense of brooding tragedy swiftly this deepens into realization the germans are here they are still here the day must be gone through the sad long day there is no escaping it the belgian must see the grey figures striding through his beloved streets shopping in his shops walking and motoring in his parks and squares he must meet the murderers in his churches in his cafes he must hear their laughter in his ears and their loud arrogant speech he must see them in possession of his post-offices his banks his museums his libraries his theatres his palaces his hotels he must remain in ignorance of the world outside worst of all when his poor tortured thoughts turn to one thought of his deliverance he must confront a terror sharper than all the rest then he sees in clear vision the ghastly fate that may fall upon the unarmed brussels population the day the germans are driven out the whole beautiful city may be in flames the whole population murdered there is no one who can stop the germans if they decide to ruin brussels before evacuating it one can only trust in their common sense and their mercy and at thought of mercy the bruxellois gazes away down the flat dusty road away towards louvain the peasants are going backwards and forwards to louvain little carts filled with beshawled women and children keep trundling along the road a mud-splashed rickety wagonette is drawn up in front of a third-rate cafe louvain is marked on it in white chalk on a blackboard in the cafe window is a notice that the wagonette will start when full the day is desperately wet there is a canvas roof to the wagonette but the rain dashes through sideways and backwards and forwards under cover of the rain as it were i step into the wagonette and seat myself quietly among a group of peasants two more get in shortly after then off we start in silence all crouching together we drive through the city out through the northern gateway soon we are galloping along the drear flat country road that leads to the greatest tragedy of the war it is ten o'clock when we start at half-past eleven we are in louvain on the way we meet only peasants and little shopkeepers going to and from brussels over the flat bare country through the grey atmosphere comes an impression of whiteness my heart beats suffocatingly as i climb out of the wagonette and stand in the narrow rue de la station looking along the tram-line the heaps of debris nearly meet across the street the rain is falling in louvain it beats through the ruined spaces it does its best to wash out the blood-stains of those terrific days in august and the people oh the brave people they are actually making a pretence of life 
a few shops are opened a cafe opposite the ruined theatre is full of pale trembling old men sipping their beer or coffee louvain is just alive enough to whisper the word death but with that word it whispers also immortality in its ruin louvain seems to me to have taken on a beauty that could never have belonged to it in other days those great fair buildings with gaps in their sides speak now with a voice that the whole world listens to the germans have smashed and flattened them burnt and destroyed them but the glory of immortality that death alone can confer rests upon them now out of those ruins has sprung the strongest factor in the war louvain despoiled and desolate has had given into her keeping the greatest power at work against germany louvain in her waste and mourning has caused the world to pause and think she has made hearts bleed that were cold before she has opened the world's eyes to germany's brutality actually in africa louvain it was that decided a terribly critical situation because of louvain many many hesitating partisans of germany threw in their cause with the allies ah louvain take heart in your destruction you are indestructible you faced your day of carnage your civilians bravely opposed the enemy it was all written down in destiny's white book the priests that were shot in your streets the innocent women and children who were butchered they have all achieved great things for belgium and they will achieve still greater things yet louvain proud glorious louvain it is because of you that germany can never win your ruins stand for germany's destruction it is not you who are ruined it is germany i wander about i am utterly indifferent to-day if a german officer took it in his head to suspect me i would not care such is my state of mind wandering among the ruins of louvain i am surprised to find that in the actual matter of ruins louvain is less destroyed than i expected compared with Ayershot, the town has not been as ruthlessly destroyed Ayershot no longer exists louvain is still here among the ruined monuments houses and shops are occupied an attempt at business goes on the heaps of masonry in the streets are being cleared away with her interior torn out the old theatre still stands upright the train runs in and out among the ruins the university is like a beautiful skeleton with the wind and rain dashing through the interstices between her white frail bones where there are walls intact and even over the ruins the germans have pasted their proclamations veuve d for insulting an official was sentenced to ten years in prison jean d for opposing an official was shot and in flaunting placards the germans beg the citizens of louvain to understand that they will meet with nothing but kindness and consideration from das deutsche herr as long as they behave themselves i step into a little shop as a motor-car full of german officers dashes by how brave you are to keep on i say to the little old woman behind the counter it must be terribly sad and difficult if we had more salt she says we shouldn't mind but one must have salt and there is none left in louvain we go to brussels for it but it grows more and more difficult to obtain even there and food oh the english will never let us starve she says mon mari he says so and he knows he was in england forty years ago he was in the household of baron d 
the belgian ambassador in london would you like to see mon marie i went into the room behind the shop mon marie was sitting in a big chair by the window looking out over some rain-drenched purple cabbages he was a little old belgian shrivelled and trembling he had been shot in the thigh on that appalling august day when louvain attempted to defend herself against the murderers he was lame broken useless aged but his sense of humour survived it flamed up till i felt a red glow in that chilly room looking over the rain-wet cabbages and laughter warmed us all three among the ruins myself and the little old woman and mon marie yesterday he said an american consul was coming in my shop he was walking with a german colonel the american says how could you germans destroy a beautiful city like louvain and the alboche answered we didn't know it was beautiful and the old woman echoes ponderingly didn't know it was beautiful end of chapter twenty five recording by expatriate in bangor maine